0: Rico, Florida, praise the Lord, and they should be well, they're they're deep in service right now. They're worshiping. Hallelujah. And so I thank the Lord that God has blessed us, Amen. And He gave us a wonderful opportunity when we were here. Uh, I came wounded. My husband came unsaved. And Lord, did God change everything around? Praise the Lord. Won't He do it? <laughs> came in one way, left another. But that's what God does. Amen. So I know he can do it, praise the Lord. And um, so I do, I do uh, bring you greetings from Pastor Chris Torres and the congregation. And my son is accompanying me, amen? Um, praise the Lord, yeah, the X-Man. That's what Elder Cameron always called him, the X-Man, praise the Lord. He loved that name, by the way. Hallelujah. And I just thank the Lord because Sister Anita talked about promise, amen? The promises that God had made her, and he came through for you, Amen. My son is a promise from God. Yes. Yes. Oh, no, listen, you don't know like I know. <laughs> Amen? I, have, I lost four babies. Four consecutive spontaneous miscarriages. The last one, I was six months pregnant. You don't know sorrow until you lose the thing that you want more than anything else. But the Lord came through. The Lord brought a word. He showed me a year in advance, my first son. And I was like, ooh. And and I saw myself handing him over to my mother, and I uncovered his face. So I saw his face clear as day. And the Lord said, This is your son. And I was like, Phew. but let me tell you something. A whole year had to go by and another miscarriage before that boy came. And everything, everything, oh, go here, go there, go to a specialist. You know, everybody was trying to lay hands on me. I didn't know who else should pray for me. My mother heated oil and blessed it, put rosemary in it. I don't know. Back then, I smelled unusual. because so she just kept making conconscious, and then put them, put them on me and rubbing me. I said, like, look, Mom, the Lord said he would bring it, so the Lord's got to do it. Amen. So I gave him a year of my life, which means that I dedicated a year of my life in prayer and fasting to the Lord for this purpose, because there are some things that you have to fight for. <laughs> yeah. Hey, mm. I came today to tell you You got to fight for some stuff. Cause some of you have already given up. But see, what the devil didn't know is that this girl from Brooklyn, who just did her DNA, well there were no surprises in my DNA, let me just say. (laughs) Jewish blood, Native American, and a high percentage of Nigerian. Hey 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 I was like no wonder can move. So I salute my Nigerian brothers and sisters. Amen said, that brought me a great deal of of joy when I saw that. I said, oh, Jesus. I said, well, go ahead, Lord. But at the end of that one year, you know, I, I laid out before the Lord. I remember it was August. It was just before the school year began, and I had to go back to work. And I have not gotten my healing. They kept telling me my problem was my uterus. My problem was my uterus. Well, you can't replace the uterus. Back then, they hadn't figured that out yet. Okay? And so I said, well, Lord, listen, if you gotta remove this one, give me a better one. Give me a new one. You can do all things. You may have and an earth and all the universe and everything in it. I said, this is but a small thing to my God. See, the problem is that we see the situations in our lives as big things, but God said, that's nothing. I can do that and more. So as I laid out before the Lord in August, saying, Lord, please give me something before I go back to work. The spirit of the Lord came into my room, and I was on fire. Now listen, I know the different fires. There's hot when you're hot in the church or hot outside, but then there's a heat that comes over you when the Holy Spirit comes over you. It doesn't matter how much you fan yourself, you can't get rid of it. I told I told Dr. Allison, listen, family, all you want to, this thing is not going away. <laughs> Amen. So that was the heat that came over me. So the lower part of my body was on fire, started through my feet and came up, and then it stopped right here. Now, of course, I called my mother because I was afraid. <laughs> listen, I'm not too grown to admit I got afraid. So I called my mother, Mommy, something's wrong, something's happening. She said, what's going on? And I explained to her. She said, what were you doing when this started? I said, I was praying. She said, get back over there. (laughs) Why are you on this phone with me? Go over there and let God finish what he started. That was August. And I didn't know I was pregnant. Listen, by the time I got to the doctor, no symptoms, no nothing. No changes. No morning sickness. Listen, when God does something, he does well. Him. I said, no morning sickness, hallelujah. And I, by the time I went to the doctor, I was three months. I had finished a whole trimester and didn't even feel a thing. But listen, when I came home and I said, mom, I'm with child. She was like, ah, you know. <laughs> listen, it was a blessing. So I would always tell people that my first son is my miracle baby. And one day when Xavier was little, really little, he said, well, mommy, if he's a miracle, well, what does that make me? I know, right? He had all these blonde curls. Oh, he's okay. And, and I, I, I was like, hmm, that's easy. I said, listen, your, your brother was a miracle. You're just God showing off. He's like, I like that, mommy. I'm God showing off. So he's my show off, amen? Amen. Praise the Lord, amen. So I thank the Lord, amen. I really wrestled with the word that I was going to bring here. You know, I like to wrestle with the Lord a little bit, amen. Those of you who know me, go way back. I will wrestle the Lord down to the ground, yes, he'll get me down to the ground too. Hallelujah. And like Jacob, he'll have to, you know, hey, let me go. Let me go, I got somewhere to go. Praise the Lord. So as I wrestled with the Lord and I really asked him, what do you want me to bring? I wanted to bring something else. I'm gonna be honest. I wanted to bring something else. This is the second time that happens to me coming here. <laughs> I don't know what is up with the Lord. Never lets me bring what I kinda of like wanna bring. So he's like, nope, nope. I have, I have the other sermon in my pocketbook. Do you understand? That's how deep it was. I'm like, okay, Lord, if you change it as I'm up, coming up, amen, I have it here. they will like, nope. <laughs> So last night I had the privilege of going to dinner with, with Bishop and Lady Carmen, and, um, and it was something that he said during dinner. Now he didn't ask me what my sermon is. I really appreciate that about him. He don't tell me nothing and I wouldn't let him if he tried. Amen. <laughs> That's how we roll, amen. But the Lord confirmed my sermon last night at dinner. And I was like, uh-oh. No, I said, that's why you want me to bring that one and not the other one. I said, thank you, Lord, because sometimes we could be a little, you know, dense. Doesn't matter how many degrees you have, I've got three, and I'm doing the fourth one. Okay, don't ask me why. <laughs> After 10 years of the Lord nagging me, I'm doing that now. So I'm working on my PhD. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. And I'm also teaching at the University of Chemwell University, which is a theological school in Florida. And my husband and I have partnered with the president of the school, and they just kept after me, after me, until finally, I'm like, okay. So I've been teaching there, amen. I teach at least one course every semester, and I have another one coming up, amen. And so God is really good. Listen, you're looking at the daughter of a sugar cane farmer. He wasn't even the farmer. He was a worker. That was my grandfather. But can I tell you that man had aspirations for his children. He knew that even if he didn't see it, that God would do something. And he did. And from a laborer, my father was a day laborer who only got up to the sixth grade. But he was the smartest man I knew. And from that, came this. It don't, it, it's not about how you started. It's how you finished. So I thank the Lord for that. And I, I, I'm proud of that history. I really am. So let's get started. I'm going to be sharing the word of the Lord with you from Genesis chapter 15. Amen. And I'll be reading from verses 1 through 5. Amen. And the word of the Lord reads this way, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord, what can you give me since I am and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Abram continued, look, you have given me no offspring. So a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars. If you are able to count them. And then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Abram believed the Lord, and he accredited to him as righteousness. Listen, it's a, a well-known passage, but God gave me a, a kind of a different slant on it. And this chapter comes on the heels of Abram, and he wasn't even Abraham yet, okay? At this point, he's just Abram. He was just father. That name Abram just means father. So what a cruel joke. What a cruel joke for your parents to name you Abram and you are still childless. We're not talking about being childless at 20 and 30. We're talking about being childless at 90. Do you understand? That's a whole different story. But the Lord knew what he was doing. For the Lord sees what he has over you before you understand what it is. As a matter of fact, if you don't understand what it is, you're in a good place. Because he didn't either. So Abram had just gotten back from defeating four other kings. And he went with 318 of his own men, who he equipped to be soldiers, born in his house. And he brought back Lot, his nephew, but he also brought back women and other people that had been taken from Sodom and Gomorrah. God showed Abram a great defeat, amen, with his enemies. But no one asked Abram to do this. No one asked him, amen. He intervened out of the goodness of his heart. Some say because of Lot, but others say because he was a just man and he hated injustice. I think he hated injustice. So the kings after the victory they decided to get together and said, you know, we have all this treasure for you. Well, first of all, Abram had already been blessed. The Lord had already been giving him and giving him more than he had already left her with, amen? So it wasn't like he was in need. But I like what he says to them. He says, no, I do not want your treasures, amen? Least you end up saying to me one day, we made Abram rich. Now, that's interesting Because he said, there's no way I'm going to allow you to take the credit for what God is doing. There are times in your life when you can't let others take credit for what God is doing. I'm not saying there aren't good people, but you can't give anybody credit for what God has done. And so he says, no one will be able to say that you were my reward. God always shows up in time. So just when the world is ready to try and reward us, God has to show up and say to us, I won't allow you to confuse my blessing with gifts of mankind. You can't mix those two. They're like oil and vinegar. You can't mix it. Because God's stuff is so much better. And not only that, but it's sacred. And it's set apart just for the work of the Lord over the anointed children of God. So that's why we can't mix the two. I see a lot of mixing going on. And the problem is that when we start to mix, we get to a point where we don't know what God is and what's not of God. Well, did God speak or did he not speak? There's a mixing. So God had to step in and make sure that the enticements that they were offering him. Those enticements were from the wicked. Listen, there'll be a time where you will be in great need. The Bible says that in this world, we will have tribulations. I'm not here to tell you that this is a walk of roses, but I am here to tell you that God will walk with you, which makes it capable for you to get through the rough times. And so God is capable, more than capable, of re-rewarding his children. He don't need the wicked to do that. He can do that all by himself. So we see here that God shows up to Abram in a vision. In a vision. Now, first of all, I don't know how many of you have ever had a vision, but usually you are not asleep when you're having a vision. Say amen. amen. I've heard people say, well, I had this vision. Were you awake? I was asleep. That's not a vision. Let me explain what a vision is, praise the Lord. A vision is something that you have when you are wide awake, okay? And it can happen at any time. Many times I'll have a vision and I will be in prayer or I will be in my my prayer time when all of a sudden the Lord interrupts and shows me something. Mm. Sometimes you don't even have to be in prayer when God shows up and shows you something. Amen? When the Lord told me he was going to take Uh, Deacon Cummings, I was putting clothes away in my closet. When the Lord showed me a vision in my closet, the closet disappeared, and all I saw was Deacon Cummings dancing. I was like, but in my heart I felt a panic because I knew that that was a different kind of dance. I didn't know where he was at the time. But I began, I stopped what I was doing, began to pray, and I'm like, oh Lord, please don't tell me you're taking him. But the Lord was like, he'll be okay. You know, because God speaks at all moments. We think we have to be, you know, in the sanctuary, Shabbat, Hebe, no. God will interrupt your day. He just needs to find someone willing to hear what he has to say. That's really what he's looking for. So the Lord tells him, you know, in this vision, don't fear, right? You know, we all have fears. There's always something that that will bring fear to our lives. But we can't operate in fear. I always tell people, you want to be afraid, okay. You got your moment to be afraid. Go ahead. Take your five minutes of being afraid. Take your five-minute tantrum and then get up and, and do this thing. Get up and walk. Amen? You can't stay there. That is a toll-away zone. You cannot park yourself in an area of fear because that's a toll-away zone. And let me tell you something. It's not God that's going to tow you away. So the Lord begins to tell him, listen, I'm your shield. And we know that the shield represents faith. Amen? God is our faithfulness. We can stand behind him and trust. We can find that in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. But he tells them, I am your exceeding great reward. I will reward you just in case you thought that the riches of those kings would be greater than mine. Nothing that they can give you can compare to what I have in store for you. It's like the Lord saying, do you want door number one, door number two, door number three? Or you can choose your your own way. But I guarantee you that if you choose God's way, it will always be better for you. So we hear Abram's complaint. Don't raise your hand if you complain. I know there's nobody here complains, ever. Amen. We may have a complaint, and you know what? Sometimes our complaints are legitimate before the Lord. Abraham was just like the rest of us. You know, when the Lord shows up, well, first of all, I think that was a good thing, that he took the opportunity to said, well, while you're here, while you're here, let me tell you how I feel. See, when the Lord comes, that's when you need to tell the Lord how you feel. You need to tell the Lord, this is my, this is my angst, this is my complaint before you. And so he complained to the Lord and said to him, listen, I go childless. In other words, I am without child. I, listen, I'm not going uphill. I'm on the other side of the mountain. Do you understand? I am sliding really quickly, like a mudslide. And you said I would have a child. So when is this thing going to change? When is my current situation that is troubling me right now going to change? Listen, Abram was upset. He was upset because the Lord said, I will give you an heir. Listen, there are things that God has promised you. And I know that the waiting time, let me say something. From the declaration to the manifestation, that in-between part is called the waiting time. That is the hardest time in a Christian life is during the waiting time. But if you can get through the waiting time, then you'll be able to see the manifestation. Can I tell you, a lot of people get lost in the waiting time. A lot of people fall off. A lot of people fall off. And I'm so grateful that Sister Anita, you know, owned up to the fact that she laughed in her heart like Sarah. I think you're not the only one. Sometimes we'll do that. Oh Lord, I've heard this word before. Well, here you come with the same word. That, that kept happening to me everywhere we went. It didn't matter, grocery store, Walmart. The word of the Lord kept coming. technical difficulties. There you go. Is that better? Amen. And so sometimes, amen, you know, we get troubled and upset. Amen. But the Lord said to him, you will have an heir, which is the thing he wanted the most. Amen. He had money. He had slaves. He had cattle. He had everything. There was one thing that he could not buy. Mm. There were things money can't buy. There are things money can't buy, and no medical science in the world can 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 fix you or do something if God don't intervene. So there are things that only God can do. And it's interesting because He had a solution. Aren't we like that sometimes? God will give a word and we'll say, Well, let me help the Lord along. Let me just let me just help God. I always tell people, take your hands off of it, you're not helping, you're making things worse. And not only that, but you delay the process of the Lord. God doesn't need our help for anything. He needs our obedience. But see, we get that confused. We want to help God because helping God is better than obeying God. But I am here to tell you that obedience is much greater than your sacrifice because the Lord said, I'm looking for your obedience. Woo! Listen, that's a nasty word, Obedience. Preach to me about love, sister. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to talk to you about obedience. Because Abraham had already gotten the word, but he, he is with a plan. Yes. He was a man with a plan. And he begins to share his plan with the Lord, which I thought was pretty funny. Well, Lord, let me tell you what I thought of. I have a young man that has grown up in my household. His name is Eleazar. He was a slave born in my household, but obviously he had come to love this young man, amen, and saw him as a son, as a son. You know, he probably named him because his name means God is health. That's how sure, hmm, that's how sure Abraham was that that boy was going to be his heir because he named him Eleazar. God is help. This is the help that God has brought me. Let me tell you something. Mm. (laughs) Don't choose your help. Let God choose your help for you. So he was a good servant, the Lord said. He was trusted by all things. Amen. But can I just say to you, it was okay for him to think that aliens are. Amen. Would be the help of God. It's okay for people to come along in your life and provide temporary help yes. while you get to the next phase, but don't confuse the temporary help for permanent hire. Oh, Lord. Hey, because that's what's happening in a lot of churches, and that's why they're failing because they confuse temporary help with permanent placement. Eh, yeah, but temporary help is not the same as permanent placement. Amen. Glory to God. So no one can really replace the real promise of God. So the Lord listened to his foolish plan, heard him out. Eleazar, the Bible tells us Eliezer was from Damascus. And I found this very interesting because the Hebrew interpretation for Damascus is silent is the sackcloth weaver. Wow. Sackcloth. Okay, that should have been the tip-off right there for Abram. Because sackcloth is associated with mourning clothes. Yes. You put that on when there's been death. Yes. So if Abram had stuck to his plan, what he didn't know was that the plan of God was for life, but his plan was for death sometimes we think our plans will work out better than the Lord's, but the Lord says no and even though Eleazar was loyal and had proven himself, that doesn't mean anything See, sometimes we get caught up in a person's personality, charisma. Oh, but she's so nice, he's so nice. Well, is he, a, is he wearing sackcloth? Is she wearing sackcloth? You better ask the Lord where they come from. They might be from Damascus. And you're waiting for Bethel. But Bethel isn't Damascus. And Damascus, sure enough, isn't Bethel. (laughs) Hallelujah. So what he didn't understand is Elias are represented a potential sorrow, an agent of potential sorrow in his life that had not announced himself that way quite yet. But if he had ignored the plan of the Lord and had went with his plan, surely sorrow would have come into Abram's life. So God decides I have to interject here because my boy, my Abram, is uh, he's smart. Amen. He's trying to help me, but I don't need your help. Amen. So the Lord says, no, no. This is so funny because sometimes we lay out the best plans possible, don't we? I don't know about you, but, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a planner. And I, I'm organized, and I like to plan things ahead until the Lord jacked me up and took me out of here. I had a, listen, I had a 10-year plan. When we left here, I was on a 10-year plan. The Lord said, you ain't got no plan. The Lord took my plan, went, choop, 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 little strips of paper, and that was gone out the window. Because Proverbs nineteen twenty-one tells me, many other plans in a person's heart. But it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. See, it doesn't matter what we plan. Is it in the purpose of the Lord? If it's in the purpose of the Lord, it will prevail. But if it's not in the, pur- in the purpose of the Lord, it will fail. I'm trying to get you from failing to prevailing. Hallelujah. And so is God. God does not want you to fail. He wants you to prevail. So God has given us a seed. Amen. And it's, it's our desire. Amen. And it wasn't a bad thing that Abram desired. He desired, amen, the seed. He desired a seed from the Lord, the promise of the Lord. And I love it when the word of the Lord came to him. Now, this is interesting because I've read this scripture many times. The word of the Lord came to him. Now, first he's in a vision and then all of a sudden the word comes to him. That word was not just any word. That word was Jesus Christ himself. Mm. This is how important that plan was to God. In that moment, okay, let's let's dispense with the vision. I'm just showing up now. Because I can't let you do what you are thinking of doing. John 1-1 tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God, so the word had to show up. So he makes an appearance, and it's not the first appearance he makes to Abram. But Abram didn't know who he was, for Jesus had not been declared yet as the Christ. So he appears to him, amen, and he says to him, this one, which is nice, this one, that guy, (laughs) that guy, Eleazar, you know, first the Lord said this one, that one, you know, that guy, Eleazar. Will not be your heir, but instead one out of your own body shall come forth and be your heir. When the Bible says that the Lord spoke to him in that morning, in that moment, it's Adonai, which means that God brought him. And the, in the next scene, we see that God literally, the Lord shows up and brings him out of the tent. Mm. Brings him out of the tent. In my version, it says he brought him outside abroad. And he began to say out loud to him and to remind him of the promises that the Lord had made. There are some situations that are so important to God for your life and your future that he has to show up in a powerful way so that you will go in the direction that he wants you to go. Because there was so much riding on this one decision. God will take us to a moment where where everything that he wants is riding on one decision. We can't blow it. So he takes them outside of the tent because let me tell you something, there are some promises that are too large for the tent. There are some promises, hallelujah, that don't fit in your mental scheme. They don't fit Can I just tell you, where we are right now, me and my husband, that thing, that would, listen, first of all, we never wanted it. It didn't matter how many people told us, we would have ran and ran and ran. Because we could not accept it, we could not see it. It was not something we wanted. But when God opened up our eyes, which I thought was funny, he was working on him and me at the same time, and I didn't know he was working on him, he didn't know he was working on me. And so when he opened our eyes, we began to see the promise of the Lord. See, if he doesn't open your eyes and if he doesn't take you out of your comfort zone, you will never see what God has for you. So some promises are so large that they cannot be manifested in small spaces. Small minds, small hearts. He has to enlarge your heart. He has to enlarge your mind so that you can understand things the way God is trying to give them to you. So the tent, let me tell you something, the tent was was fine, okay? It was a temporary shelter. And I'm sure like my son said once, it must have been fancy, maybe he had a real fancy tent. Maybe he had an extension added to the tent. A double wide as they say in Florida, double wide. And so maybe it was really beautiful and luxurious, and maybe he had gotten used to being there, amen? God moved him out, and he moved him into a tent, and the tent was comfortable, amen? He had made a dwelling place for himself. The problem is that God wanted him out of there. So that temporary shelter became a limitation to what God wanted him to see. Sometimes a tent represents our understanding, okay? Okay? So sometimes the tent represents your understanding. Sometimes it represents a limited vision. There's only so much you can see from the tent. You can't see everything. A tent can also represent your unbelief. Are you trapped in the tent of unbelief? Sometimes the tent is mistrust. Sometimes we actually think that God is like us. And the problem that I, and I I think about this all the time, is that we want to ascribe to God characteristics of man. But God is not man. So what happens is that since we distrust humans, right, then we think that we can also distrust God. And so we think that he's one of these guys on 42nd Street with the three-card mounting. And we suspect that he's going to change the game in the middle of the game. God is dealing with some stuff today. But God is not like that. If he said it, we can trust him to do it. So that tent... Could also be the tenth of, yeah, yeah, I heard this before. Sure, sure. I've heard this before. I have a nephew who has Down syndrome and he's very naughty. He's <laughs> naughty. He's 23 and he's naughty, okay? And sometimes he likes to bother his brothers, okay? And so when his mother catches him or his brother tells on him, you know, my sister will confront him and say, Peter, that's not nice, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, say sorry, he goes, Sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. With this face, we call that the Peter sorry, which means we ain't sorry. (laughs) So we preach in our church, don't do the Peter sorry. When we talk about Peter, Peter looks and smiles. He knows what we're talking about. So sometimes we say to God, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Is that 10th the 10th of our past experiences to the point where we are locked in place because of what we've been through, so we can't get out of what we already been through? Or is that 10th the 10th of I can't do this because this is bigger than the dreams that I could see for myself? Or is that the 10th of I am unworthy? Why would you call me? Why would you ask me to do this thing? Have you not looked at me? Listen, everybody got an excuse why they don't want to do what God says. Even Moses. The Bible says he was wise and all this stuff. And then in the next verse, I can't even talk. What? Every time I read that, I'm confounded. How do you go from being wise? The Lord said you're wise. And then I can't even talk, Lord. I'm a stutterer. The Lord said, okay, I got a plan. Take Aaron with you. Let him talk. Everything you tell him, he's gonna tell Pharaoh. But that's us. We'll, We'll start to stutter if we have to, so we can't do the work of the Lord. I can't preach, preach. So is that tent what closes off the vision of God's desire? God's vision cannot dwell in mortal buildings. Now, we learned this back in Exodus. If you go to Exodus, where he said, listen, my presence is, is, listen, that's fine. That tent is fine. But I need to be with the people. Tell the people to come out, amen, and I'm going to come down. Because guess what? There is no dwelling place that can hold on to God's power and presence. Mere mortals cannot hold on to God's presence in small spaces. God is infinite in in love and wisdom, and because he's infinite in love and wisdom, he meets us where we are, and he takes us out of the tent, and he comes and says, look at this promise that I have for you, and I love that, that God just grabbed him by the hand and just took him out of the tent. Some of you guys are going to have to grab by the hand and take out of the tent, because you've been in the tent too long. It's okay to go camping, but you've made a dwelling place. Okay, you've made a dwelling place. So he asked him a question, can you number the stars? Of course, Abram must have been standing there saying, uh, of course not, I can't number this. He was saying to him, can you expand your vision? Can you see what I see for you? Can you see what I see? So in this part, God is saying to him, I have to give you a new visual perspective because you cannot see what I see. So before the mind and the heart can accept the will of God, the eyes have to take it in. We have to be confronted with the promises of the Lord before we can accept the promises of the Lord, amen. All right, Xavier, I need your help. The rest of my message just disappeared. Oh, wow. (coughs) Hallelujah. Okay, it's back. (laughs) Literally, I'm staring at blank pages. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Listen, I'm good, but I'm not that good. I can't make it up, you know? It's too much. So he says to him, listen, your seed will outnumber, will outnumber. Your seed will outnumber the stars. And we see in Isaiah 58, 8 and 9, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's promises will always exceed our expectations, and his promises will always outnumber our dreams. They're supposed to. Because we think too small. Or as Jesus said, you think as men, not as God. And so we Think as men. We think in our human mind. So we limit God. Our thoughts are cardinal. The Lord reminds us of that too. Listen, your thoughts are cardinal. Romans 8 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Our thoughts, our carnal thoughts, will kill God's promises if we allow them. Oh, but if we walk in the spiritual mind of God, believing all things, trusting in His word, it will bring us life and peace. A life that is more abundant and peace of mind in the knowledge that God is working for our good and his glory. Because it's not just about him blessing you, it's about his glory being manifested on the earth. It's about the people that you're going to touch and impact. It's about the people who will change as a result of you being where God needs you to be in that moment. It's not all about us. It's about us being used as instruments and as weapons of his warfare. So we have to trust in the Lord's plan because the Lord's plan brings righteousness. The righteousness of God comes when we demonstrate complete trust in the Lord. Hebrews eleven eight 8 through 10, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed, there goes that word again, and went out to a place he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, I love this part. whose architect and builder is God. Only God can build up his promises. Abraham's was counted to him as salvation, even though salvation hadn't come yet. See, we can't trust in man, nor can we trust in our own plans, but we can trust God because he never fails, nor does he forget his promises. And I know that sometimes, say, Lord, did you forget me? Did you forget me? Lord, did you forget my promises? You know, the word says we can make a remembrance to him of what he said to us, but what we can't do is accuse him of being unfaithful. Some of us walk the line of accusing God of being unfaithful, but he's not unfaithful. Abraham received the righteousness of God and he was made right before God. He was made holy before God as he demonstrated his faith in in the acceptance of God's plan for his life. We are justified by faith without the works of the Lord. Romans 4.3 says, For what does the scripture say? That Abraham believed God and was credited unto him for righteousness. Galatians 3.6 and 9 says, Just as Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him for righteousness, then understand, this is where we got to understand. I hope you listen. Then understand that those who have faith are Abraham's sons. Those who have faith are Abraham's sons. Now the scripture, the word of God, saw in advance. Mm. No, you, you, listen. The word saw in advance the plan of God to justify the Gentiles by faith, the word saw in advance, which means when the Lord spoke that word over Abraham, he wasn't just looking at Abraham, he was looking way past Abraham and saying, this will be the justification of the Gentiles as well. And he said to him in advance, amen. Amen. He told him the good news ahead of time to Abraham, saying all nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who also have faith. So we are the seeds of Abraham. We are the sons and daughters of Abraham. Could Abraham have have foreseen all of us? No, but the word saw it in advance. See, our vision is not his vision. He has a vision that goes beyond what we can see. You are blessed. You are the blessing of Abraham, but you are also the inheritance. So therefore, the same blessing that was accredited to Abraham is accredited to you. All that is required from you is your faith. With faith, he can do all things. John 8, 39, it says, our father is Abraham. Now, this is interesting. We see here Jesus arguing. They were arguing with Jesus, trying to argue with Jesus. You couldn't even argue with Jesus. You always lost the argument. But they were telling him, he was explaining to him that he came from the father and that he everything that he spoke to them and was trying to teach them proceeded out of the father's desire and heart. They said, well, our father is Abraham. They replied, to him our father is Abraham and I love what Jesus said if you were Abraham's children you would do what Abraham did Jesus meant you're not Abraham's children for you do not believe as he believed so in order for us to obtain the greater promise we must believe as Abraham believed that though he did not see he accepted what God said and that's key we must surrender to what God has promised us listen PT I know you think you've arrived Mm -hmm. I mean when I look at you I think oh okay they arrived you haven't arrived yet see somebody, somebody just got that Thank you, brother. Pa- Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Walter. You have not arrived yet. I know that you, this, is, this is great what God has allowed you to do, believe me. I mean, when I walked into BT, there were 25 people, and I think thirteen—what was 10 or 13 of them were kids, so there was nobody there. <laughs> so, do you understand? Everybody was spread out, so we looked like we were like no, one person there, another one there. But God made a promise. He said, I will fill this place. To overflowing. See, and what we thought was, okay, he will fill this place. And when we started to fill the place, we got all happy, right? Woo, we were having Holy Ghost every Sunday. But what we forgot, he said overflow. That part, we forgot about the overflow part. We, was, we got all wrapped up in the present. That we forgot that there was an overflow extension to the promise. So, what I'm here to tell you that you think you've arrived, but you have not arrived. God has more. I said, God has more. God has more. Bishop is like, oh Lord, I'm tired already just from hearing. He has more? Yes, he has more. This is not your final destination. Oh, glory. Listen, you don't understand. When God has a takeover in mind, he means takeover. He means takeover. He doesn't just mean, okay, you got two locations, hallelujah, no, he means takeover. He means I wanna change this city. I wanna take it from being nuts and crazy. I can talk about that, cause I lived here. Yeah, yes. I want this place to be taken over. He's talking about a takeover. He's talking about, I want there to be more of us and less of them. I like the mods. So in a takeover, in order for that to be achieved, we all have to be of one mindset. We have to be in one accord. We have to believe what God said. It's not enough for bishop to believe it. It's not enough for the elders to pray about it and come together and agree. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 that they were all in one accord, had all things in common, were of one mind and one heart. It said, and then God added to the church every day such as would be saved. All God wants you to do is to do what he asks you to do. You teach, you preach, you continue to do what you're supposed to do. Instruct, lead others to Christ, but let him create the takeover. Because what I saw for this church was a huge building with different floors. Underground parking. Say, Jesus! Jesus! Yes. And I pulled up in a white SUV. I'm like, what am I doing in this SUV? In this dream? And you had parking attendants. Gave me a ticket. This is your ticket, Pastor Lydia. I'm like, okay. They parked my car for me. I said, what's going on? Walked into that building and there were sections. All kinds of things were going on. And I was trying to catch up to Bishop. Every time I showed up in one place, he had already moved to the next place. (laughs) But what I saw that God wanted you to take over and be in the heart of the city. That's why, listen, just before you had the first service here, Bishop brought me. I was in town, he said, I wanna show you. And we walked through. And the first thing that the Lord said, this is not the final destination. Listen, y'all weren't even in here yet. I'm walking through, it's dusty and stuff. you are still trying to get it together. And the Lord says, this is not the final destination. Tell him. I was like, okay. So I'm here to tell you, PT. God is going to require from you a faith that can see beyond the tent. Yes. Magazine Street is your tent. Columbia Ave was the tent. That was the first tent. This is the second tent. See, the second tent is bigger, right? So we started with the first tent. The second tent got bigger. But listen, the Lord is like, okay, we're going to get out the tent. That's going to require a whole nother level of faith. It's going to require that you be able to be single-minded. Single-minded of one heart and one mind. and Listen, today, today start praying for it. Today start saying, Lord, I believe what you said today to this church. We see in Isaiah 30, 18, it said, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He wants to be gracious to you. Therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. So what is keeping us from believing what God has proclaimed and ordained over our lives? Can we not see that we are presently living in the fulfillment of one man's promise? See, God don't need a whole lot. He just needs somebody to believe. You are sitting in the promise of one man. Imagine what God would do if we all aligned himself, ourselves, with what God has spoken over this house and over each other's lives. In other words, you need to start believing for the promises of your neighbor as well. You need to start believing and having faith for the promises of the one next to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I believe in your promise. Uh huh. But you gotta mean it. You gotta mean it. You gotta believe in the promise of someone else and you have to pray for their promises to come to pass. For as you are faithful, faithful in praying for the promises of the other, the Lord will see to it that your promise comes to pass. Micah 7, 7 says, but as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for God, the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. We are here waiting expectantly for the Lord, for the promises to come to pass. Listen, I'm a living example of the promises of the Lord. I was a promise to my father. I was a promise to my father. The enemy tried to kill me twice before I was a year and a half old. But my father held on to the promise. He said, you said. You said. I didn't say. You said. See, and the problem is that the covenant that God makes with you, it's about him, not you. He said, you didn't say, what I say means nothing, but what God says, that I can stand on. You can't stand on the word of anybody these days. Forget about trying to stand on the word of a politician, oh well. But we can stand on the word of the Lord. Are you ready to stand on the word of the Lord, PT? This is a challenge to this church. Listen, I wanted to bring a nice sermon on the seed. Maybe another day he'll get me, give me a chance to do it, but it wasn't today. He said, I need you to remind them of the promise. I need you to remind them of the promise. And it's interesting because I was here when the promise went forth. You see how God does? You were here when the promise went forth. So it's only fitting that you will remind them of the promise I still have. So listen, live right. What does the Lord require of thee? That you would live and walk in righteousness and walk humbly before you, Lord. Amen?